All right, everyone, welcome EKN Nation to another edition of The Hot Seat. It is the first episode of 2023. I'm David Cole, and I'm joined by Sonny Cervelli of GFC Karting. Sonny, kind of what is your title role with GFC, and kind of, you know, how old are you, where you and where are you from? Because you're right here from Sonoma area. Correct, yeah. So I am the director of operations for Team GFC and the GFC brand. I grew up in Northern California. I live now about 30 minutes from Sonoma Kart Track, so I'm up here quite a bit for all the club racing and everything. I'm 25 years old, and I've been now racing for 20 years, actually. Oh, crazy. So you started kid karting. I did, yeah. So for how, I guess, young I would be for someone that works full-time in a karting team, I still, there's a lot of people that are older than me out here that have been actually at the go-kart track less time than I have. Yeah. I started at five, so. Yeah. So what was, what was the first kid kart? I had, for my fifth birthday, a brand new Emic kid kart off the showroom floor. Okay. So yeah. for us, it was a cool deal. We could go up to Sacramento, right? Yeah. And actually go check out the shop where everything was made. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So where did you typically or te- uh, race? What was the first race? Where, what racetrack was that? I at? grew up racing at Kinsman Kart Club in Dixon. Okay. So I raced just club races for all of my kid kart years for a couple of years in yeah. cadets. That's where I spent all my time. Okay. And then just racing club races. Did, and you probably went regional. What was what was the regional stuff like? When did you start kind of spreading out away from the clubs? Yeah, I think probably two thousand eight or nine is when I started racing regional. I had done a couple years in Comer eighties. Okay. And we had IKF Regional Eleven, and at the time IKF was pretty big for us. It was a, it was a big deal, and then we kind of had the Grand Nationals, you know, that that really helped us uh, see where we were at on the national level. So we did that stuff. And and so you went from you started Emic. What what different chassis have you kind of were you kind of going with at that time and, and kind of throughout your career? Yeah, so I started obviously on an Emic and kid cart. Um, it was just it was what was there. My dad, you know, he went to the shop, picked it out. That's how we started there. When I moved into Junior One, I actually had a KRT chassis lent from a friend. I did that for a year. Yeah. We then went back to Emic and I ran with Emic for quite some time. I ran with Emic all the way up into Junior Two till probably. 2011 or so, I ran on Emic, and wow. it changed. You know, it was no longer with with Ron and Linda right. and them, and it changed to the Gwynn family. And I actually raced with them for a while. Like, okay. up until kind of that whole thing stopped, I kind of consider myself one of the last guys to be with and them. Emic actually, Charlie, yeah. yeah. And then after that, I had a really cool opportunity to race a top kart through Cartel Motorsports, which is Joey and Eric Bartolero and yep. those guys' team. Spent some time with them a lot in the juniors. Uh, I spent some time on CRGs through. Yep. Uh, PSL. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through Tony Carts and stuff with Perry and, and kind of hopped around later in my years to wherever I could, you know, kind of get some support to race. But uh, yeah, I really started a lot of my career on MX and then uh, did a lot on Top Card as well. And you actually raced that challenge before. Like you I, were a competitor in this program. Here. Correct. I didn't race a ton of Challenge of the Americas. Yeah. At the time, it was still a Rotax series. Okay. I did a couple races of Challenge on the Rotax and I think 2012 maybe. Okay. Yeah. But done. Scusa racing. I mean, you've kind of gone everywhere, but also included a move to Indy. Yes. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I moved to Indy. I had pretty much in the middle of my high school years, I had kind of figured out college, homework, all that kind of book work stuff was not my gig. Yeah. I really didn't dig it. I was a hands-on guy. As I stopped racing at that time, I started to work more as a mechanic and driver coach, and I really enjoyed the hands-on side of kind of like a, a job, right? I really like to work with my hands. And my uncle did machining, and I thought that was really cool. He worked on a, a drag race team doing machining, okay. you know, f- f- cool performance parts. And after 
my senior year of high school, I had been working full-time go-karts, actually, I homeschooled, and I worked with Austin, Elliott, and Harrison Mills at SpeedSense. Okay. My senior year of high school, I slept on Austin's couch, and we <laughs> ran a go-kart team. So I kind of had an experience with that at a younger age. But I moved to Indy because I had an opportunity to go to a machining school. Okay. Did that. I worked out there for a year. Wasn't pumped on the Midwest. Wanted to try and find a way back home, you know, be around my friends, my family. Definitely better weather. Yeah, well, yeah. It is. Although this weekend it's a little different right now because it's 80s there right now, and yeah, and correct. now we're struggling here correct. in Sonoma to I, get to 70. I did my first Indianapolis winter. Yeah, you know, four months of, of not really wanting to go outside. And I was like, all right, I want to go drive my go kart, but there's snow on the track. That's a new experience for me. Exactly. So. Yeah, go indoor karting. That's yeah. all. That's all you have <laughs> exactly. left, or, or just get or travel south. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yep. Yeah. So what? So what brought you back from Indy here to California? Uh, mainly just to be back around my, my friends, my family. I went out to Newcastle. I had gotten a go-kart out there, and my plan was to return back to racing. I'd been making enough money at the job I had out there to where I, I thought I could get back kind of on the national scene and hit some races. And I raced a little bit. I did a USPKS out there. I did a pro tour out there at Newcastle. But I'd go to the track, and I, I just didn't know anyone, and it was tough to kind of not be around everyone I grew up with here, you know, just my friends, the whole community and everything. I'd spent so much time at the go-kart tracks up here that I just felt, I don't want to say out of place, but I was just really wanting to go back home and try and see if I could make my machining and career work where I was kind of more comfortable, I guess. So you talked about it, you were, you've worked in the industry early on when you worked with Austin Elliott, you guys started in Speed Sense, you were living with, what other components within the industry before GFC were you doing? Was it just driver coaching, mechanicing? Um, I, after I moved back from Indy, I raced part-time okay. and I was a machinist as well in California. And I was kind of starting to get burnout after about two years of the machining things. You know, my friends go to races, traveling around. And I was like, man, I really want to do this. And I, I'd come on the weekends out to Sonoma or Dixon Local and work. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, man, I want to hire you for this race. I want to hire you for this race, this race. And I'd always had work. I couldn't, right. I couldn't go. Finally, I got kind of burnt, and I had left my, my machinist job. And I started taking jobs as a mechanic, traveling around. And honestly, I fell in love with it. Yeah. I just I enjoyed the travel. You know, I think for a lot of people... That's the things, sometimes they're away from home so much, that's what they don't like. For me, I was so excited to go to new tracks, meet new people, learn from new race teams, work with new drivers. I, I fell in love with it. Yeah, and, and so during that time, what chassis and what teams were you working Was it all different, or were you kind of sticking with OTK, or were you kind of just moving around to whoever you know was willing to work with you? Yeah, I worked wherever I could. When I started working, OTK was definitely more popular than it is now. Now you see more brands, I think, right. than maybe five, ten years ago when I started with it, but I would work wherever I could. I was kind of um, the guy that would work a race and by Sunday, I'm trying to find people in the pits. Hey, I wanna to go to this race next week. Do you have you know work? Do you need a driver coach, a mechanic? I knew enough about data. I could kind of do a, enough of, of everything to kind of get myself a job with the team if need okay. be. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the relationship with Gary. When did that begin? Like. Did, Obviously, there's a little bit of an age difference there, you know, and like, yeah. you know, because again, when you started, he was shifter cart racing. Correct. You know, so it, is it is it you knew about him because he was from the area? Like, talk about kind of how you knew him and, and kind of how you your relationship started. Yeah, I, you know, I wish I remember when I was racing at Dixon as a little kid cutter at Comer 80, because I can guarantee you those guys are probably out there. And I was out there and I had no idea because I, you know, I didn't, right. I didn't know so young. You're I didn't five, know six, these guys. Seven, are, yeah. I'm not watching these guys testing to be able to say a track magic or get ready for super nuts. I didn't know yet. Yeah. Right. What was going on? But I knew of Gary for sure. He was probably someone I, I 
did look up to just being an American in Europe. I've always yeah. been a huge fan of international go-karting. Yeah. So I knew about it. And funny story, my mom reminded me when I worked, I started working for Gary full time, is I went to Super Nationals in maybe 2009 or 10 to watch. Okay. My dad took me and some friends and we went. We, was we, it the Schumacher year or was it? It was the Schumacher so year. And for me, it was like the coolest thing watching those guys. I mean, I knew all of them, right? Yeah. I read the, the magazines. I, oh. I watched the races, everything. I knew all of it. So I was like just in awe, like yeah. starstruck of these guys. I can't remember where we're at. We're at the hotel eating that night. And I guess my mom tells the story. In comes Gary and, you know, the, the CRG guys at the time. And they go to sit down. And I was like, Mom, Mom, that's Gary Carlton. That's Gary. He's the American KZ driver. That yeah. guy's, you know, he's bad at the bone. Yeah. And so it's a trip now to yeah. be working with him every day, you know, and, and kind of it's funny how that was, you know, maybe 16, 17 years ago. Yeah. That moment. So. Yeah. So, so how did the working relationship begin? It was it was it more of a friendship first and then re working, or um, was it or did you guys just kind of like hey, things kind of work together? So Gary actually, I spent a lot of time racing with the Pickett family, and okay. we kind of had our privateer Pickett racing right. group, and they had actually hired Gary to come and help Hunter, and when he came to help Hunter, I was racing, kind of doing my own thing, and I remember he's helping Hunter. I kind of met him, whatever you know, we we're having okay. a good, and I come off the scalesman session, and Gary's there and goes, oh, you did this. I think you could try this. Maybe we should do this. And I'm like, oh, are you? Are you here helping me too? He's like, yeah, I mean, why not? You know, you're another guy in the tent. Like, sure, you know, I was sitting around. I might as well watch you and help. So right away, I was like, man, this guy's, that's pretty cool of Gary to do that, take the time out of his yeah. day, right? Not just sit there doing nothing. He'd right. help everybody else. And later that year, we had kind of learned that he was doing his own chassis. And of course, Hunter had gone on it originally, right? And then I wanted to kind of be in part of it. And I felt how I could see when, how Gary worked with those guys. is like, man, this guy really understands this stuff. Yeah. Like he really understands how every single piece of this go-kart works. And I felt, man, if I can get on the GFC as a driver and work with Gary, I can learn myself to become smarter at it too. Because I was very interested in the engineering side of it. So yeah, I had bought a go-kart from Gary. I tested it, bought it, started racing with Gary. And kind of the joke, I started as a, as a paying customer, right? right? And this is what I do now. Yeah. You, know, you interrupt me from vacuuming the mats so we can come to this <laughs> exactly. show. <so. laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I started with him racing and he had me start mechanicing on the side. And he said, hey, I like how you mechanic. You're really clean. You're pretty, you're, you're on it. You really care, I can tell. And so slowly I started mechanicing for him more. And as he grew, he needed some help in his shop. So I'd come every once in a while and help in the shop. And we just started to spend more time around each other. And I was learning, learning, learning. And eventually he kind of offered me a full-time position. And where I was at, I was kind of going race to race, wondering right. what we were doing. And this just seemed like a solid man. Like, I don't have to find work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, I don't have to wait for Friday, Saturday, Sunday to get work at a racetrack. Right. I can work through the week and I can learn so much from him. So... So kind of walk us through day to day your, or week by week. Like, what is it that you're doing? Obviously race weekends, you're at the race and you're, and you're, you know, you're, you're managing everything under the tent, but away from the racetrack, what is it that you guys are always putting chassis together? Is it just, is it, is it just nonstop work nine to five or even more than that during the Monday through Thursdays getting ready for the next race? Yeah, it's, it's actually, it's changed over the years, what we kind of do day to day, you know, when it started, we were much smaller. It was a lot more of like just our racing team. That's mm -hmm. really what we were, right? It was just a racing team with our own brand. We do development days, you know, where Gary would drive or I would drive or we'd have other guys help mm -hmm. develop and then running a, a small race team at the time. You know, when I started with Gary, he had one little tent up with three or four guys at a Sonoma club race. And that's what our racing team was with the GFC branded carts. And over the years, it's really shifted. Now we have a lot of dealers. So Sometimes I come in and there's parts orders that have to get shipped out and, you know, I, I can now 
I'm forklift certified as a joke, so we go up on the racks, we pull off carts, we ship them, and that's part of the, my job now is helping get all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we do the racing team. That takes up a lot of time, obviously. Yeah. That's, as anyone that works on a racing team will tell you, I mean, it's 100% of your time. So we work a lot of hours. We work all the time, and, yeah, we, we, we do the racing team mainly is what I spend a lot of time managing, getting okay. a lot of carts ready for that stuff. And then also now dealers, when they need some factory support, I kind of fly around and hop in, you know, and so does Gary, you know, to kind of assist our dealers at their races too. Talk about the development of the chassis, because you obviously were there as a customer, you were on the brand. Like, are, are you providing input? Is it, like, how much in the development of the chassis are you part of in terms of that? Yeah, when... We first started and I was a driver. Gary actually trusted me. We come out here to Sonoma and we drive and he'd bring different, you know, steering pieces, things like that. And I, you know, I kind of led him in a direction and I was like, man, I really hope what I feel is <laughs> right. what a majority what feels, do, right? Yeah. And obviously he trusted me enough and he kind of, what he saw or what he thought was supposed to happen is kind of what my feedback was. And it was a cool feeling to have other guys start to try it and they'd be like, oh yeah, same, this, that, that, this is better, this is better. And I'm like, okay, so my feeling might be kind of neutral for a lot of people right okay. it might help and on the start it was a lot more of me driving the tag kind of helping with that and then we had some other drivers and now i play a big role in when we do get you know drivers that can help us develop i'm usually hands-on right there trying to learn everything i can because for me that's that's the funnest part exactly yeah just you, you you love soaking in the technology part of the sport correct i i've always been a huge fan of international karting and i always wondered what it'd be like to shadow you know a factory team and the reason i'm at gfc now is because this is what i feel is the most factory team in the united states well i mean it is i mean really that's i mean you guys have built a brand your own chassis it's just it's phenomenal to kind of watch the growth of it and and now seeing like you said it was started with two to three drivers. Now you guys have what? Almost 20 here this weekend, maybe eight, 15 to 20. Yeah. We have 18 drivers 18. this weekend. Yeah. Most we've had is 24. We pause this show for a quick commercial break. Stay tuned for more here on the EKN radio network. Ready to step up your game. Joining the Rawls and performance group is the obvious choice to take your racing to the next level. Industry-leading driver development is provided by our staff of multi-time national champions, Super Nationals winners, and Team USA members. And at the same time, RPG continues to be a national-level powerhouse race team. Our goal is to help you raise your game and win races. We work with all age groups and are focused on developing those cadet and junior drivers who are ready to take the next step in their racing program. Rawlison Performance Group has set a new standard with our in-house engine program, AVP Engines, headed by Alex Vinson. AVP has become the benchmark in IAMI competition. We have the largest OTK inventory that follows our race team, providing trackside parts at all the major events in North America. RPG also offers multilingual support with French, Spanish, and Portuguese-speaking staff. If you want to fight for championships or want to improve your skills and your chances to win, the answer is to call RPG at 503-260-4514. The Rawls Performance Group. We race to win. Fast, fair, and fun. 
Ignite Carding offers you all of that at an affordable price. Ignite Carding utilizes the spec Margay Ignite K3 with a Briggs & Stratton 206 engine and a Hoosier R80 tire. Everyone in the junior, senior, and master's classes compete on the same Ignite K3 chassis, which puts all the emphasis squarely on driver development. Additionally, Ignite Karting is accessible at the local, regional, and national level. Special events for the 2023 season include the Ignite Majors, which begins with the annual trip to the Daytona International Speedway as part of the WKA Daytona Kart Week as part of both the sprint and road racing events. Those in the Midwest can enjoy the regionally based Ignite Challenge, which just finished up a record-setting season in 2022. Local club programs have also been established in other states all across the country, from Idaho to Texas, Nebraska to New York, with more tracks and clubs joining the Ignite Karting program. Be part of fast fun and great memories with Margay Racing at an Ignite track near you. All information on Ignite events and Ignite Kart packages, including dealers in your area, are available at ignitekarting.com. Get off the couch and out onto the track in 2023. Ignite Karting, fuel your passion. Thank you for listening to the EKN Radio Network. We now join the show already in progress. Las Vegas. It's crazy. I mean, that just... So talk about the kind of the the logistics of going from a small, like working out of a van to now you got three trailers and, and multiple tents and, and multiple drivers all in different categories too, because it's not just shifter. It's, it's shifter, it's tag, it's masters, it's junior cadet. It's all across the board. So like, do you guys, guys have to kind of negotiate who's working with who? Is it, is it kind of like a, 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 a zone defense for, for the, the amount of drivers you guys have? A bit. I would say, at least in my position, I try to cover everybody. That's what okay. I do. I try to be sort of the, the middle guy, right? If you need something, ask Sonny. If you need yeah. to find something, if you need a part, if you have a question, something like, yeah, you need, you need help working on something, it's always kind of like an ask Sonny thing, okay. right? Um, I'm, I usually play that role. As far as the, the growth of the team goes, yeah, that has been crazy to think. I mean, it, as silly as it sounds, it's before it was filling up molecule cleaners for three guys, and now it's an hour-long job because i got to do 20 sets of those, right? Okay. And, you know, we, instead of having five cart stands to get ready, there's 30 to load. You know, 20 to it just it's crazy the amount. We've gotten more help, and we've got a lot of good guys working yeah. under the tent, and that really makes it easier, having and, the right people. And having the dealers to work with as well too because obviously you guys work with formula works down in southern california so that kind of helps here being in the, in the same state but you know, as you said you go to different places and you got different dealers like talk about some of the dealers that you've that you've kind of worked with already uh with the gfc brand yeah so we obviously like you said have tony siragusa with formula works in southern california we have ayrton latell in utah yep. he's operating out of uh umc there yep. we have tim lobaugh in texas uh, we have Mike Rivera in Connecticut. We've got uh, R3 in uh, Kansas City. That's right, yeah. We've got CMC in... Oregon. In yep. Oregon, yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm sure I'm leaving some others out. But we've got a bunch now. But also down south in Mexico, you got some racers down there. Correct. We have a couple. We have Diego Ortiz who races and Jan Philip Cruel who runs in uh, Mexico. I actually yeah. got to go down there last year and work a, a Scusa Mexico race really? with them. Yeah, and that, that, like I said, what? that's the craziest part is just 
traveling around. We have a we have a dealer in in Thailand. That's right. Yep. I just went to a race with him in Malaysia. So, so you so you're traveling. So now you're doing the international thing. Like as a driver, like you said, you wanted to be part of that international scene, but you're now on the other side of the fence doing it. Do you do you feel kind of like you got to pinch yourself every once in a while? Like you're going to Mexico, you're going to Thailand, you're you're going around the country. Yes. You kind of have to pinch yourself on that. Definitely. I I've been to a lot of places in the states just working and i always wanted to go to europe and work at races i mean when i was younger i wanted to race but as soon as i kind of got switched into like 16 17 18 i was like, fine with going and working because yeah. I, I got really interested in like how a go-kart works and i was fine with man i'd love to be a mechanic on one of those teams here just kind of be out there right and so yes i do when i went when i I'm on a spontaneous trip a couple weeks before I find out I'm going to Mexico City to go to a race. Yeah, that is a trip. You know, it's pretty interesting. You know, I tell my family and they're like, where are you going? For why? Like, Did you even parts. have a passport? Yeah, 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 yeah right. <laughs> funny, funny story about the passport. I was here with Gary 2019. We were setting up the tents for a Sonoma Club race. Okay. And I go, hey, you know, we're talking. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to Lenato next week for the World Championship. I'm like, oh, that's cool, man. I've always wanted to go to World Championships. I watch it all the time. Love that stuff. He's like, well, why don't you go? So we're going to go to the, the factory. We're going to go we're gonna go to the race. You can come. I was like, dude, no way. He's like, yeah, flights are cheap. We'll get you out there. And I'm getting ready to go. You know, I'm thinking about it. The track, my head's going a million miles an hour, right? I'm like, I'm going to go to the world. I don't have a passport. <laughs> I'm on my phone sitting, right? How do I get a passport in four days, five days? How do I make it happen? We leave the track early. I go, I'm on a road. I'm on the road to getting an expedited passport. We're at the public library that night. I'm getting changed to print copies to go to the post office to do it all. I get my passport the night before. I had flights already booked. Five days before he had told me I'm going to the World Champs, I had gotten a passport, and now I'm going with him over there. Today. Oh, man, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's good you got it because, yeah, that doesn't typically happen a lot, but it's good. So tell, tell me about that experience because, again, I've never been to a KZ race over there. So tell us, tell me about that. Yeah, it's breathtaking. Yeah. For me, man, I say it over and over, I've been an enthusiast of international level karting. It's my favorite form of, favorite form of motorsport over Formula One, dirt bike, everything. International karting, I geek out over it. And for me, you know, always seeing kind of the photos and everything and watching the races online, being there, seeing how those teams operate, seeing how it all works was really inspirational. It really was. It was a super cool experience. So seeing it in person, like you said, the behind the scenes stuff, the, how the teams work and how they prepare for everything, uh, it, did that help kind of give you a focus for working under GFC? Like kind of like, okay, this is how they do it here. Does it, does it, did it give you ideas or, or tips and how to kind of direct yourself? Or, or was it just good to see that, hey, what we're doing is already what they, they do there? I think a bit of both. Okay. I think there was some things I, you know, just kind of looking around in the pits and seeing how they did stuff was, yeah, I picked up on some things for sure. But also the main reason I am at GFC now is because Gary was there for years and years. Yeah. So his processes and things are so similar to theirs. That's why I enjoy being where I am because I believe he really does it, you know, to, to the next level. So give, tell me a little bit about Mexico. Because that's that's an interesting trip. Because you know, Scusa really has been putting a, a push down there. They seems like they have a really good series. Tell us kind of like the atmosphere and and how it is down there. Because a lot a lot of us have been down to Mexico for karting. Yeah, it, it's awesome. It um it blew me away. I didn't know what to expect. I hadn't followed the the Mexican uh, karting races much. And when I went down there. It's definitely there's no main thing. No one hundred cc. 
Yeah. It's all X30, yeah. but I tell you what, the fields are packed. I went down there and there's 30, 40 in junior and 20 to 30, 20 or 30 in X30 senior. Okay. Really good drivers. Um, and yeah, it was a blast. I, we went down, we operated uh, the, the Ortiz and Cruel family. They operate with their mechanics out of a garage at the one of the tracks we did okay. in race at in Mexico City. Went down, a little pop-up tent. Went down there and raced. Diego wins the Sunday finals. It, it was an awesome trip, and it, it was a cool time. It was uh, one of the first times I've, I've been out of the country and been trusted to kind of make the decisions, right? I'd been out as a mechanic, you know, where I work under a team and I get told, but it was a really cool experience to have Gary be like, You're, you go make the calls yeah. down there. I trust you to do it. So it was pretty cool. It's, it's got to build the confidence, and, and it seems like, you know, obviously putting you as, as the team manager and operations like he, he's kind of put everything in your hands and he has that trust in you and I think do you think maybe because what he's he saw you do it yourself as a driver you think that kind of helps with that because you really don't know who you're working with until you see what they've done or know what they've done that, that's kind of how I approach things like do you think because he, he saw you as a driver and do what you do do you think it just helped build that confidence like yes I can trust that guy I think so I would say more than Gary seeing see my results on the track and being you know impressed in that way it was more of I think we have a very similar work ethic where okay. we're both like relentless and I think he picked up on that right away when we might stay like late at the track I was not the guy that was dragging my feet I was like hey if we got to take the front end apart to table it again like I'm here I want to do yeah. it whatever it takes you and I think he we we work really similar in that way that it's like kind of a whatever it takes like how long the day is is irrelevant to if the performance is worth it, right? Yeah. If we think there's a, a hundredth of a second we can gain by staying at the track, working really hard, I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll do it. Doing that, going that extra mile. Correct. Yeah. And, and and yeah, it is it is really neat to see a guy that I looked up to, the same guy that when I was a little dude in you know the Rio Hotel saying, oh my yeah. gosh, that's Gary Carlton. Now go, you know, as we run throughout the day, he might not watch a couple sessions of say you know a kid i'm helping and, and vice versa you know check and be like yeah it looks good man awesome like yeah it's not a there's no micromanagement right. whatsoever we really trust each other so so you love the international do you ever do you think there's going to be a point where there's going to be a gfc on the grid for a kz race or a kz2 race in in in, in fia competition that that's my dream that sounds amazing um i would love to see it yeah i think that would be really really cool is that is that do you think that's a goal for GFC like as a company and a brand itself or is it just hey we're going to focus on on again live your passion and doing it here and then who wants to like cuz again there could be there could be drivers or somebody who wants to take that brand over there is 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 has there ever been a talk between you and Gary about that Yeah I think we both have the same mindset I mean okay. I, I know there's a lot of you know people think limitations within a brand you know to be in the U.S. and we both see it as like why is that right? You know with his experience, his connections over there, and both of our drive. The reason we're in the states right now is because we really wanted to focus on growing domestically, obviously before we go over. But now we've got Mexico City, we've got a dealer in Thailand. I mean that yeah, that is our goal to be on the world stage. I would I would say. And but aside from the brand itself, it's also about driver development. I know I know Gary really preaches that. Um, what, there's been a lot of good driver or dri young drivers that you guys have worked with over over the course of the last couple of years. Kind of go into because you guys are testing not almost once a week, if not more than once a week. Tell us kind of about how the driver development program works within the GFC program. Yeah, I think there's so much to be learned in practice days. 
And I think going race to race, doing every single big race is good. And we have, you know, that's, that's always good. But I, I do feel we do a lot of, you know, lead and follow days. We come out here and we do, you know, drills or we go to Dixon and we do drills where we're not just burning down laps for no reason, right? We might have a day, hey, we want you to try this. Tell us the feedback. We, we kind of work on all sides of it, you know? And I think, too, what works well for the shifters, for the most part, is we've had it where, oh, we feel this, we feel that. Gary can go out in that shifter cart and go drive. Yeah. Usually just as quick as those guys right away or sometimes faster. And there's that respect from them, right? Like, hey, if he can do it, we know you, you kind of have that belief, right? Mm -hmm. For the same part, now we've got a couple tag guys that go pretty good too. But kind of at the beginning when we were coaching the younger drivers, I could go do like drive with them and say, look, it can do this. You can make it around the corner this fast. And there's kind of that belief system there. But yeah, we, we focus a ton on the driver development. I mean, the entire tent is always developing as a driver. Even our pro drivers are sitting there and we're working on driving better yeah. because at the end of the day, there's no hiding it. That's the biggest part, right? So kind of walk me through a day at a, a, a test session with you guys. You say you guys work, work on drills. Is it like braking drills? Is it passing drills? Is it a combination of all, all a little bit? Or or maybe one day you focus on just this this particular like segment or, or, or element within driving? Like kind of walk it. I think our most popular one is being able to adapt quickly. Okay. I think that's everything, especially like we see now with how sensitive the track changes, right? Uh, you know, when you go to these different races, how it's always changing. Like very rarely are we sitting here and breaking at the same point session after session. As it gets hotter, as it gets colder, as more grip comes down, as it rains, it's always changing. Okay. So we'll go out to Dixon and we'll be the only ones out there on a weekday and we'll have our five juniors out there, five cadets, whatever, and we'll go run the track for 10 minutes forwards. Stop. Loop the chains, we'll go 10 minutes the other direction, we'll turn around, and it's just trying to like keep them on their toes, right? Okay. Not to get complacent running the same layout. You know, we come to Sonoma, they do a really good job of changing the layout all the time. So right when you think you've got the national layout mm -hmm. mastered, you show up and it's reverse sprint. Yeah. And it's kind of like, all right, now we start from scratch again. I haven't driven this in six months, let's try it. So that's kind of our biggest thing, I think, is trying to keep everyone, you know, quick to adjust. That's our most popular. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so I think we covered a lot of things on GFC itself and what you've done. Let's kind of just get into the sport itself. Like, let's, let's break, go a couple minutes on that. I know we had a conversation at Road America about about the sport itself and the professionalism and mechanics. What it, it's it's kind of you know we have this licensing stuff that's going on. Like it, it, it seems like we're at a we're at a really big growth within our our industry, and it seems like. Mechanics is one of the issues, no, one of the areas where we're kind of struggling to get enough people. That's something that you kind of brought up to me. Is it is it just the fact that it there's you got to have that passion and do it? Be kind of like what you what you you had that passion to to want to travel and want to be at the racetrack. Is that kind of the core problem, or is it just just that what you know what is the problem and how can we solve it? Yeah, I don't I don't know if I'd say that would be like the problem. Because we always joke mechanics saying like, oh man, I'm over, I want to I wanna leave, I don't want to do this. And man, I've seen you here for five years, you've made it. Deep down, you love it. You yeah. might not want to say it out loud. You might, you might not think it, but you do, you love it. I get, I get told all the time, man, I don't know how you do this every day. It's like, well, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. You right. know, why be on vacation when I could be at Super Nationals or the races? That's right. where I want to be. And I think there's a lot of mechanics that are, are like that as well. It's, um, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you the, why it's difficult to find um, to find mechanics. I couldn't really set my finger on one specific reason. Mm -hmm. I do think a lot of people don't realize that there is a real career in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I think I've proved that, you know, that you can go from being a mechanic or a driver coach part-time or even a part-time racer. And if you really want to work full-time in the industry, sure, you might not be in the driver's seat, but you could be on the other side of the fence. And if you keep working, you can get a really cool job, I think. Is there like a key element you think that a good mechanic needs to have in order to be successful? I think they have to care. I think you have to care. I think there's a lot, or I shouldn't say a lot. I know for some, maybe it's viewed as like, oh, at least I get my paycheck. I, you know, maybe the kid didn't run good out there, but hey, I get my paycheck, I go home, I go to the next race. And I really appreciate when I see mechanics take like, have the passion. That's kind of what our team is based around, is having the passion, right? Maybe their driver has a bad session. It's not a, okay, we wipe it down. I'll go back to the hotel. We'll try again tomorrow. It's like, oh, let's dive into it. Let's right. figure out why we're, we're not having a good time. Right. So yeah, I, th I, think, I think the main key we look for when we hire is, is the passion, really, yeah. is that you do care. We pause this show for a quick commercial break. Stay tuned for more here on the EKN Radio Network. In karting, it's important to be supported by the right people. With over 40 years of experience in the sport, Trinity Karting Group has everything you need to make your program successful. We do it all, and we do it right. Trackside support and arrive and drive programs at many of karting's biggest East Coast events, full product sales and service, and professional coaching from our experienced staff. Trinity Karting Group is a full-service operation based at the Motorsports Country Club of Cincinnati, which gives us access to our custom-designed driver training facility. This allows us to offer private one-on-one -on -one coaching to take you to the next level. From arrive and drive and coaching programs to the parts you need, let Trinity Karting Group provide you with customer service and a racing experience second to none. Trinity Karting Group is an official Kart Republic race team providing full trackside support at all the major USA karting events, including the Scusa Pro Tour, United States Pro Kart Series, Scusa Super Nationals 25, and other events throughout the 2022 season. TKG has in stock Kart Republic, IAMI, MG Novinko tires, and more products for those in Ohio and the Midwest region. Trinity Karting Group has a long history of the sport, a winning pedigree, and we're dedicated to driver development. We take pride in our professional approach and our positive attitude. Let us build a custom race program for you. Give us a call at 513-421-4463 or check us out online at trinitycardinggroup.com. Two thousand nineteen marked a new era for the Cartlift brand. The company that Tim Coyne owned and operated since two thousand three, one with a long tradition of quality products for the karting industry, was purchased by Ted Fashing and his business, Stockholm Karting Center, in October of two thousand nineteen. Stockholm Karting Center Inc. has added the Cartlift brand to their very successful Triple T Race Products brand that has been fabricating parts for the drag racing industry for the past twenty five years. We're small enough where the owner answers the phone and every call is important to us, but we're large enough to get the job done. We pride ourselves on the quality and personal customer service that we provide on the phone or at the track. Cartlift stands, as you know, can be found at racetracks all over the country. If you race alone or if you're a parent with a cadet or junior driver, let our one-man winch lift make your race days easier. Position the hooks under the rear bumper Push the button and your cart is raised into position and you're ready to go. We have traditional cart stands, single upright storage stands, cart lift stackers for storing two carts at once, tire changers, and skid plate kits. 
Cartlift stands are available at the finest cart shops around the country, or you can order online at cartlift.com. For more information, give us a call at 877-777-8020. That's 877-777-8020. Get a cart lift and leave your crew at home. Thank you for listening to the EKN Radio Network. We now join the show already in progress. And, and, that, and then that's why we do what we do. You know, that's why I'm here. That's why eCarding News is here. That's why, you know, promoters do what they do. They have a passion for it. They love it. And they, and they care about the sport and they want to be part of it. Um, what, let's talk about kind of the professionalism of the sport itself. Um, it seems like, you know, we're getting bigger. And, and, and it seems like now it's all these big tents and big teams. Like, is, is that, do you think that's a good thing for the sport? Uh, or, or should it still have that inclusive feeling? Because you know, again, we still have people out the back of their pickups. It's 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 kind of it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like we want to be professional level, but yet we still want to be able to have people come from all different backgrounds and 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 geographic areas. You know, because again, karting's not everywhere, so you kind of have to find that sport. Like I I, I just I love the professionalism, but do you think it's 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 all, it could be hurting the sport as well too? Um. I would say the national level, no. I think our national fields speak for themselves. Yeah. I mean, I know everyone says, oh, you know, back in the day we raised stars, we had this many go-karts and stuff. I mean, I, I looked at entry list that it's not there. Like, you see now at USPK Escusa, there's 40, 50 Ks. Supernat sells out biggest it's ever been, Yeah. right? So at the national level, I think absolutely not. I think that's what people really dig is, like, how, how much everyone is pushing, you know, the professional side of it and to make it really seem more um, – more how i don't know how to say it how to it just makes it more legit i guess okay. right it makes yeah. it seem like you're really accomplishing them you win one of these races yeah. i mean you look at the names and the people you're racing against and these teams what they provide and for your team to beat it you're like man we're, we're this is a really big effort and, and the exact the effort that was just a word i was going to use is, is the amount of effort that individuals race teams and and everybody that's involved is putting in to be able to be at that level and be able to win yeah and and i think it does speak for you. Look at the numbers. Like, I mean, Super Nationals is the biggest it's ever been last year, right? Yeah. National level racing is as big as it's been in a while. I mean, you look at the X30 fields now. I think that's the most competitive X30 field I've seen in years and years and years at a Pro Tour or USPKS. Right. I mean, it's more competitive than ever. Definitely at the smaller stuff. I do a lot out here at Sonoma for the uh, the Rock Sonoma mm -hmm. series. And for us, we operate out of easy ups at those, mainly because we're here for two, three days. At a Challenge of the Americas like this, when we're here for a whole week, sure, we build the, all the lineas. We do the, you know, kind of like the temporary workshop. Because yeah. it makes sense because we're here for more days. It's worth the day of setup. It, you can justify it, right? I, I think for our team, we operate very similarly, whether it's at a big race or a club race. Most of the drivers under our tent at a club race are usually with us because they're really pushing themselves to try and get better. Mm -hmm. So I think as long I don't I don't know if maybe the tents themselves do is more the, how the people and the community kind of interacts with maybe newer drivers would it affect it more. Well, and, and again, like you said, it's the workspace like that's really what these tents are for is like you said, you, your home there is for five days like it's you don't easy ups aren't always easy to deal with, especially, you know, when you got the winds here in Sonoma. So that's part of the problem. So but I think, like you said, at the at the lower levels, regional and club. It's nice to have kind of that welcome feeling, 
to where you can actually see what they're doing, you know, again, because again, a guy that just starts a sport, they walk in and they see all the, you know, you, you, see, you can't, you, see, you can't see inside. So it's like, well, how can I approach them? Do you, do you think that's maybe the, the viewpoint? Like when you were coming up, there wasn't really that big of tents, right? Correct. Definitely not on the regional level. No, there was, there was some card shops that would support the regional level and they'd have the easy ups and it was still very welcome. You know, yeah. I, I wouldn't even be on the team and I know the team owner, we're all joking, right? It's a big, a thing like that. And definitely towards the end of my racing stint around 2014, 15, 16 full time is yeah. When that stuff started to boom and you started to see this more professionalism. And I mean, now you go, I mean, crap. I remember when I was still racing, you'd see one or two teams with a nice off the off the side of the truck tents or the linear yep. they could tell tents and be man those guys they're really attention to detail and now you go to one of these national races and every single team's got one right. there's not many easy up teams left and but again that's part of the workspace i like how you use that because that 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 changes my viewpoint now it's not so much that you're trying to hide from people it's just that you need a, a place to work like it helps to have security it helps to have coverage and it helps not to have the weather elements to, you know, destroy you know or, or ruin your work area because you're trying to put in the hard work effort to be able to be good. So I get, yeah, I, I, it helps change my viewpoint when you say that. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, of growth in the sport, do you, th what do you think GFC is doing for that? And how do you think the sport as a whole could do better? I think a GFC, how we help the sport really is we, I think we really teach the drivers well of how to kind of go throughout a day of, of setting up a go-kart and doing that. I mean, that's what Gary's done for me. And what Gary's taught me, I've been able to teach others. And mm -hmm. I think in that way, him sharing his knowledge has really helped a lot of people, at least in Northern California and now dealers and everyone, kind of really get a good understanding, I believe, for, for how, to, how to work on a go-kart, how to go about designing a go-kart, things like that. I think the state of the sport, again, at the national level is great. I see new, you know, regional series popping up. I see a lot of excitement about that. So I do think people are headed in the right direction because growing up, I ran so much club. I did so much regional. I can't preach enough to my guys like, hey, until we're winning these Rock Sonoma races, maybe we don't have to go to all these other races, right? Sure, you know, if you're running up front or you want to go get the experience, yes, but have these expectations. So I think it's cool to see, you know, I listen to your guys' show. I, I read all the news and there's seems to be some excitement again yeah. about regional racing which is really where I grew up doing, right? I didn't do much national ever until I was 14, 15 years old. I never right. went to a Scusa Pro Tour when it was first announced coming back. Mm -hmm. You know, all I did was regional racing, and we had our Grand National, you know, in the middle of the year, and that was really your chance to size it up against the guys. So I like how you said that because we've always preached, like, start at the club and regional level. Don't jump right into national level racing. Yeah, so what if you, if you can afford it? That's, that's not the issue. It's you, you kind of have to learn go through the ropes, you know, develop yourself to be able to be, go to the national event and be co somewhat competitive. And that's where I, I like to look at the licensing program. And because that's obviously a, a, a big topic with, within the sport is, is having a licensing program, not only for um, the penalty situations that the new uh, uh, USPKS and SCUSA are gonna be doing in next year, but also to, to get people up the ladder, to start at club. Okay, you've, you've done enough here at the club level. Now you can go to regional racing, and then you've done enough regional racing, you can go to national. Do you think that's the licensing program we should be aiming towards, 
or do you think it, it should just kind of be where it's at right now, where it's kind of a free-for-all? Um, I definitely agree with the idea and the trajectory of getting kids into the sport through club racing. Once they're safe, they're comfortable, and they want the next challenge, and they're ready for it, going to regional, national, and so on. I haven't seen, I guess, enough of the fine details with the kind of the licensing systems that are coming up to say I'm 100% for it or I'm 100% against it. I'm kind of interested to see where they go with it right. and how it's they implemented. Don't have details, yeah. I don't to where I'm like, oh, I'm I'm sold on it or I'm right. not. Yeah. Right. Um, I do though agree with if the system is in place to help drivers kind of progress through the ranks. Sure, I don't see how anyone could disagree with that really. Is there, is is there a specific system like you would like to see implemented? Like if you had the magic wand and you could create a system, is 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 there something specific how you would like to design or or is there an element in terms of a licensing program? Do you think officials should be licensed? Because that's another viewpoint I have, and I'd love to hear your viewpoint on that. Because again, you're. You probably had to deal with officials in terms of protests with some of your drivers, correct? That's, that's definitely a big part of my job You're on a right. race weekend now. It definitely, <laughs> uh, that's all. That's another one of my tasks on a race weekend is sitting there. Normally, when a driver has a penalty or anything like that, I'm the guy to kind of come right. in and, and, and help. You know, be the representative for the team. So you have to deal with the race directors, and it's different at every program you go to. So, should we have licensing program for officials, not only for drivers but officials as well too? I think that'd be great. Yeah. I don't see how training officials, you know, to have kind of a standardized way of viewing penalties or, you know, race incidents could ever hurt the sport. Or proper procedures. C correct. I don't see how that could ever hurt the sport. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, when you learn how to work on a go-kart, you're kind of trained by someone, right? Hey, this right. is how you do a front end. You know, this is how you align a front end right. in a way. And uh, until then, you probably can't do it correctly. Once you're taught, you, you know. So, yeah, I don't see how that could... How, how that could hurt. I do think a lot of the officials, at least race director wise, have a, a bunch of racing experience mm -hmm. to where I can at least always have the, whether we agree or not, most of them do a really good job of allowing a conversation. I will, yes, yeah, sometimes you have to kind of, I guess, play by certain series rules. It's not always the most consistent as far as uh, driving, you know, uh, incidents on track right. and things and penalties and things it's sometimes hard to remember if this is a three second pushback or Correct. if this is a half or a full or sometimes I get a little twisted on that and it's hard to remember um but yeah i think training the officials and having a certification would be would be great so that, that's something i hope to work on <laughs> I yeah hope, i hope somebody i'm not uh, sure again. how it gets implemented well, or how it gets started or who does it again but, i look I mean, at like scca you know we look at car stuff you can go scca or you could go usac where they they probably have trained officials through the programs like i don't see why karting itself can't do the same thing i think you know you we went to races in canada and they had actual trained corner workers wow. every event you go to in Canada so and they actually worked at some of the road tax races and like I think some of the Grand Nationals when the boy Claire's were were part of go road tax they would actually bring those trained officials down to work the road tax races because they knew exactly what to do and they knew the proper procedure at all the events and so that's and it's a struggle too because as you said Scusa does it this way USPKS does it this way challenge of the Americas is here does it this way and it's it, so it it's, it would be better to have everything kind of an, uh, the same umbrella or at least have them properly trained the same way so they, like you said, they're all partly racers, and but they still have different viewpoints on how things should be uh, policed. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I agree with everything you said. I, I, think, I think, yeah, training the officials and kind of having a standardized, you know, kind of rule set for penalties and things would, would make things easier. Yeah. Yes. 
All right. Uh, so what's what's the rest of the 2023 season for GFC and you? Um, nonstop, all gas, no breaks. Uh, <laughs> I think next week uh, we're actually going to go support the Northern California IKF series that's yep. going on. So we'll do that. Um, I know Gary's potentially headed out to USPKS. Um, I know we're going to be out here doing all the club stuff, still supporting it at, mm-hmm. the, at the local level with our racing team. And then traveling all around with the pro tours, you know, uh, we'll have a, a rock fest, obviously the Vegas races. And uh, sure, in between then, flying to different dealers, servicing dealers, shipping go-karts every day. Uh, yeah, we'll stay plenty busy. It's busy. So it's nice to be able to go leave here tonight and go back home. 100%. <laughs> yeah, it's great. The traffic during the week's a little tough yeah. coming across Highway 37. But, uh, yeah, it, I enjoy it. Yeah, we found that out last night coming into the track. <laughs> yeah, most of, most, uh, most of the mechanics, uh, their first time coming out, they're like, man, you know, I did not expect an hour of traffic. And I hate same for me. When I come on a weekday, it's, it's an hour drive. When I come on a weekend, it's 30 minutes. It's just it's how insane. it is. But yeah. yeah, it's nice to be home. I, yeah. I do enjoy it. For, for how much time I spend here, sometimes you want to start to get kind of, I don't want to say burn out, but you're like, man, I want to, like, it's just Sonoma. But then it, all it takes is one day to get here and the sun rises, you see the view, and you're like, man, you can't beat it. It, it is one of the best spots to, to, to watch a race. And the I view agree. and the sun sunrise and the sunset, it's amazing. And, and the track's great. I mean, yeah. it, it's really technical. It's got some good straights, and I, I think it's a great place for the drivers, too. Yeah, and hopefully they'll get all the renovations here in the paddock area done for, for next year when we come back. And and again, that that not only helps because again they've done a lot of stuff down at the big track. It not it helps the region as well because it, you don't want to walk into a racetrack that's just dumpy, doesn't have bathrooms, and all that. I one hundred percent agree, man. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, that, the facility is is a big big part of it. When I was younger as a driver, I definitely didn't care. Didn't like care. if the track was cool, awesome. Yeah, I don't mind. Now when I'm setting up tents and I got to worry about washing stuff when it gets yep. back or where we're going to park or what, you know, the grounds like, yeah, now in my position, I definitely care about the facilities a lot more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So Sonny, thank you for joining me and, uh, have a great weekend and the rest of the 2023 season. Yeah, David, thank you for uh, having me on. This is fun.